Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another live stream and our second Friday in the Trenches podcast. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. What is happening, folks? Um, you see by this big smile on my face, I'm in a good mood, man. I like these things on Fridays. Thank you, Vic, for having a completely different schedule and changing our whole entire In the Trenches podcast schedule around. I enjoy it. I'm in a good mood. I am. Why am I also in a good mood? Oh, it's football season's right around the corner. That's one reason. And I'm pointing, pointing to things, folks. And if you're only not seeing it, you're only listening to it on either Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast or whatever your favorite platform is, thank you very much. But you know what I'm going to say. I want you to go check out the live stream video feed that's in our uh, YouTube channel, which is Ryan Roxy Official. Because uh, you don't want to miss any of the live things that we point at, we show at, and we have pictures of. Plus, the live chat. And I can see the In the Trenches faithful in the live chat right now as we speak. Happy Friday to you. Um, and one more reason I'm happy is because I'm packing bags. Uh, this I'm actually getting ready for tour. Uh, the Alice Cooper tour is starting in just up in a little bit, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. Maybe we're already out there. But, uh, yeah. So when you go out and you pack your bags, you you find things like a new hat or maybe a shirt, thank you very much, that was given to me on the last time we actually did a proper, proper tour, which was way back in 2019. But you know what? We did tour in 2020. But uh, enough about me. Enough of my yakking, right? Because on In the Trenches, I'm always happy to have inspiring friends here, um, especially when they have a new record coming out that we should all know about, and you should all know about. Um, his newest release is called Bronx Cheer, and we will get to the bottom of that name, Bronx Cheer. Um, hopefully it's not as colorful as the Cleveland Steamer, but you never know. We will find out what it actually is. And here to talk about all things NYC rock and roll scene, one of the workhorses in the stable of the East Coast guitarist Legion. All right? Singer-songwriter. Producer, guitarist, of course, and friend, Mr. Steve Conti. Hello, Steve. <laughs> What's well, up, Ryan? What's... All right, I'm not going to be cool and keep my glasses You can on. be as cool as you want. No, you don't no, have no, to just... be. You just smelled your armpit again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I wiped my Italian sweat from my face, man. <laughs> we were talking right before. <laughs> I'm constantly smelling my armpits. I, I don't have the same reaction. Usually I'm like, ugh. I need a shower, but but today <laughs> is today. Friday. I don't care. There's no showers today. I mean, in, in fact, when I leave and go back out on tour with Alice, there's probably no not that many showers, maybe <laughs> at all anymore. Do you shower when you're on tour? Oh hell yeah. Um, really? Usually, well, usually in the, in the morning before. Sometimes I'm too sweaty at night, and I, I can't even get to sleep. I'm so disgusted with myself. So I'll shower <laughs> before bed. But then, you know, you wake up and you got to do it all. You got to do your hair, of course, because it's like in the morning. See, my, my, wife, wet. my wife has to shower every single day of things. So Mine too. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like God. every night before she goes to bed. It's a really good rule of thumb. So during this whole pandemic thing, I've gotten into that routine. 
but now I'm going to go back out on the road. So I'm going to probably become a little bit not more. Not shower? You're going to sweat on stage and then not shower? I, I kind of, I don't know. I, is, is it wrong? Is it wrong? Just no. to, to, I, I, I think after, if you're on the road for a couple of weeks, your body naturally has a musk that overtakes it. It's a musk. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there actually a, a, a cologne called musk? Back oh, yeah. in, back in when we were oh, uh Jovan Jovan Musk. Remember? Oh, Jovan. J O V A N. All right. Before, they had a little pump. All right. Before there was Savage, folks, there was Musk. And then there was then there's the actual Roxy Road Musk. Maybe that's the title of my fucking cologne. Right. Roxy Road <laughs> Musk. <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta have a cologne. Everybody's got like, you know. Everyone's Dragon's got his, uh, well, you know, the Wild Hearts got their hot sauce and Dragon's got his beer. beer that's and, right. That's you know, right. And, and Motorhead's got their vodka and, you know. Steve, if I could get I'm gonna one have, thing. I'm going to have my Italian sauce. <laughs> you know what you should have, Steve? You should have hair products because you do have the finest head think, of hair in rock and roll. One of the I finest think, heads. I did think about that, actually. You if, know, but it would probably be like just putting your name on, on some other product, like slapping a label over, a, you know, my favorite hair product. But wait a second. All right, Steve. I, you're going to say heritage. You're going to say it's your Italian uh, background. But what is the secret behind the killer know, rock man. and roll hair? It's all mine. It's all yours. No, no weaves, no extensions. It's just uh, a little bit of color. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we, well, um, we put some color otherwise in Otherwise, it's all me. I'm, I'm no stranger I, I think, to putting uh, color in. I think there's a little bit of gray in there. But <laughs> you missed much, the spot. You know? <laughs> That's why, folks, you got to get on the Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel to check out uh, Steve Conti's hairline, if anything, for this podcast. If we got, it's one of the best hairlines out there. Um, I know, Vic. We hear that echo. Everybody hears it. So just do what I said. Just maybe mute that mic and then unmute it. it I might have something to do with it. It's all right. What? No comments about the hair and the, and the you know, you're not going crazy. You want to hear about rock and roll? You want to hear about guitars? Is that what you want to do? Well, you came to the right podcast because that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to get forward with Steve Conti. How about that? All right. <laughs> Come on, Damn. baby. Time, baby. Time. When I give that. No. You guys are fancy. We try to be. We try to be. We try to have a little animation. And, I, and I'm. And I must say, uh, your your team that uh, posts on social media, yeah, yeah. are amazing. Federica, Kanak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, can see, I can see them. They're in there right now. That we we've got Anders in there. I see Fred. I, be, I mean, you guys out there, honestly. Uh, Moscow, all you guys that post in and post out. Of course, Federica runs the social media for ITT and for all things Roxy. And uh, we thank you, everybody, for promoting the um, podcast and telling it to more friends. But you got to keep on doing that. Keep on putting it out, keep spreading the word. Are you doing laundry right now, Steve, as we do the podcast? No, I, you know, I, decided, I, I decided I don't want to look like I'm smelling my armpit all the time. So I'm just going to I'm going to wipe my face with one of my t-shirts that is clever marketing now you see that? That? so it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm learning from you already <laughs> now let's let, take a look at that shirt because you have it on but we can't I have see it the on camera. yes there it is but then obviously you made more than one so that one is for one. somebody um is that for the new record or is that no for, oh. no this is this was for the album called steve county nyc there you go there it is vic you're very fast vic was um, quick on that. I don't know about the and, uh, going back to get forward segment, but he was quick on that. <laughs> double <laughs> double flip offs from Vic behind the scenes. 
Yeah, I just found a. Uh, I just found a, a shitload. Can yeah. I say that? Sure, you can of, say whatever the uh, fuck you want. Fucking a of new old stock. I was cleaning out my uh, storage space and I found like a whole bunch of these. Uh, unfortunately, of course, dudes, you know, running me. Oh man, I want two double XLs. They're the first ones to go. So, you know, double XL shirts. Just oh yeah, I got you. The men's, but I have tons of ladies' shirts. So is there so, is there a uh, fire sale going on at stevecontey.com? Yeah, yeah, is that of, what's happening right now? A, yeah, there's a bit of a sale going on. A little clearance. And, uh, I love yeah, it. because okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna make um, I'm gonna make look at what I just did. <laughs> I got my shirt and I wipe my stuff on my armpit. Um, it's because it's hot in here. If I can turn my AC on, I won't have to do. Do that, whatever you gotta do, dude. I don't, I don't know if, it's if you want to do laundry, noise. you want to open the door. I mean, I can tell you're in your music room. You're sort of in the man yeah. cave music room. I, I see the guitars hanging on the this hooks. This is my man cave. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And my man cave with my my Wurlitzer, my it. guitars, which we can talk about in a minute. Well, those are just those are just three of my newer ones, of course. But, I'm going um, yeah. to take a wild stab at it because you are so East Coast, and even to pinpoint it even more, your Jersey, your NYC, your. I'm going to say you're in New York. Am I right? Right now, yeah. I'm in the Bronx. The Bronx, I love it. So you're even you're in one of the boroughs. You know, it, oh, yeah. I, I think the Bronx is kind of like sort of the forgotten borough. It doesn't get an. That's, a, that's why I moved here. Uh, I mean, I was in Manhattan for 30 years, and six years ago, needed more space, wanted my own man cave like this, where I have, you can't see it, but I have all my recording gear, I have my mic prees, I have my speakers here, oh, yeah. my mic over here. Um, you know, I wanted my own room, and uh, so we got a three-bedroom place in the Bronx, and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, there's lots of hills. Like the storm that we just had here, where everybody was getting flooded, we're on a hill. Okay. It's so mountainous around here that no, no water collected at all. I mean, we had zero, uh, um, you know, problems. During yeah, the, I mean, the that storm. room you're in right now would be called a mansion in uh, Manhattan. That would oh, be a yeah. Man- Manhattan mansion. Oh God! <laughs> if people live in apartments this size. It would only be. It, w- it would only be five grand a month too for rent for that room. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know the. Well, I had a sweet deal in Manhattan. That's why I stayed in the same apartment for 30 years. But Rent control, um, baby, right? Yeah, we're stabilized. All right. But after, uh, after that, you know, uh, I mean, to get, I went from a one-bedroom to three bedrooms, you know. Well, so my, uh, my sons have one, me and my wife have one, and this is my... Love it, love it. Well, the thing is, I, I do think that the Bronx is one of the forgotten boroughs. And like I said, on the, on the In the Trenches podcast, you'll not only hear about rock and roll guitars, but you'll also hear some geography. And one of the boroughs... Now, let me ask you this. Is Yonkers considered a borough, or is just Yonkers considered no. just a part of the Bronx? No, no it's not even or, part of... I don't believe it's part of the Bronx. It's, above, it's, it's in, above the Bronx. I think it's in Westchester County, technically. Okay. But, um, like, I'm in one of the last... Uh, towns in the Bronx. I think once you get too m- much above me, then you're in White Plains, Yonkers, okay. you know, uh, New Rochelle, yeah. Pelham, you know, up there. We played plenty of rock shows up there, man. Yeah. Plenty so, of club shows. I mean, that's the thing going back to Get Forward. We have a history of being East Coast. Um, we were actually on the same label. I'm not sure if you remember this. but I believe uh, we were. I think you Electric guys Angels? were. Electric Angels was on Atlantic Angels. Atlantic Records. 
Oh. I believe Company of Wolves was on Atlantic Records. Am I right? No, we were on Mercury. But I remember what <laughs> I remember what happened though. Um, well, first of all, I remember we never met back then. No. But uh, the Electric Angels and the Company of Wolves would play at the Cat Club all the time. Okay, with probably probably a Nikki Camp production or something yes, like that, Nikki or Don, Don Hill and Don Nikki Hill. Camp. Uh, I love Don. I, I miss Rest his guy, soul. Man. Really sweet he guy. Was, Positive was, energy. Yes, and he was really so supportive of, of you know all music, but especially anything I did. Anytime I had a new band or I wanted to try something out, he yeah, come on down. And he always paid me, and it was never like this cheap shit, you know, club owner. Ah, how many people are you gonna bring? It was always like. Come on in, man. Yeah. You know, he respected talent. Back oh, in, look at you, man. Back in the day, that, that looks that, to me. That's Hammerjack. That's Hammerjacks. Yeah, that's Hammerjacks in Baltimore. In Baltimore, Don't yeah, look for cool. it, folks. It's not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Electric banana. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's, uh, that's my singer, Keith Brewer. That's where he was from. Uh -huh. My singer. My singer, Ooh. come on, put me in the show. Yeah, that's where they. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. So, stay on that picture just for a second, folks, so you can all just take it in. Take it in. It was before social distancing. It was before. Uh, <laughs> before social media. Yeah, before social media. Before social distancing. And I, I think Michelob was actually a, a beer company at that point. I don't even know if they make <laughs> beer anymore. Who knows? It was a beer that people drank. Okay. Uh, unfortunately. We'll go back to that picture again, please, Vic. Um, and I'm just trying to point out uh see those big square things that are on the stage right now folks those are called monitors what? and that was before people had stuck things in their ears so they could hear everything they had these other speakers that would blast sound and that's probably the reason why i'm a little deaf to this day is because we had monitors and side fills and all that kind of great stuff but huh? that was what? hammer jacks i remember what? that was the bar well, obviously, the band that owned that bar was, or you know, didn't own it, but they they ruled Baltimore area was Kicks. You remember Kicks? Kicks? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So oh, of course. I think we God played we, we played with them there, I believe, and we also played with Danger Danger down there. Yeah, I, oh, I remember yeah. I remember that club, but like like twenty eight bars or something like that, twenty three bars, something like that in Baltimore. Yeah, the kicks. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Hammerjacks. It didn't have like a million different types of individual bars all throughout oh. the club. Or you never went out Man. there. You know, I I, I, remember, I think I walked on one of them with my guitar when I first got a wireless. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't remember how many bars they had. I was but, almost um, going to say it was before wirelesses, but no, they definitely had wirelesses. No, <laughs> no I definitely had my first wireless then, which totally sucked. I remember turning the volume knob and it would go... <laughs> Was it a Navy? And pretty soon I just got rid of it. I said, screw this, man. Back in those I'll, days, there was two I'll choices. Navy Wireless or Samson. Which one was it? Yes. Uh, I went with another company called... What the heck was it? All right. Um, <laughs> it, it was... You never heard of it. All right. I'm sure you never heard of it, and we never heard of it since. Well, so, is is you know, Navy Wireless is still out there? Yeah, I, I'm, they have to be. No? I don't know. I... I I don't. I mean, I use a wireless with Monroe, but it's whatever they got an endorsement for, whatever they bought for the we, band. We use Sure Wirelesses sure. with Alice and stuff. Sure, like, yeah. Maybe it's Sure, or it's another uh, a well-known company like JBL or Right on Genelec or somebody makes speakers. I think I don't know. We're going to talk about all things um, 
Michael Monroe and all things. I know, Vic, we have this problem with the echo. He's like, I get this grimace from my producer, but I don't know. We're trying to just figure it out. We're going to do it. It's a podcast, folks. You, they, you understand people, don't you, in the chat? Sometimes we have echoes. It's okay. Um, but we're going back to get forward. We're going. I'm going to go back a little bit further than Hammerjacks and a little bit further than uh, Company of Wolves. I want to go back to when you first uh, started playing because you come from a musical family. You come from pedigree, right? Your parents play music. Obviously, look at that. Oh, oh, hey, Vic, I'm so sorry I didn't send you a, a, a kid picture, but it looks like you found one. That's me on drums and my brother on guitar. That was our original, uh, those were our original instruments. And then... Um, when did you make the switch to from drums to guitar? Because I did the same sort of thing. I, I started on drums as well. Oh, wait a yeah, second. Yeah, that's me. Where See, are you? The hair over the eyes, right there, with the snare drum in front. Oh, you got the cool instrument with a wood block, too. Look at you. Yeah, dude. Drummer yeah, with a I mean, wood I was, block. I was, I, was a, I was a pretty good drummer because, you know, you had to be at a certain level to play snare drum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My first couple of years in the marching band, I played timpani. Marching timpani? Marching. Can you imagine I, marching with a timpani? I did it. That's what I did. Yeah, I was the marching timpani, and and then what are the, the three small. drums? Boom, oh, the, boom. the roto toms, triples. triples. Yeah, they were called timbales, or, or was it did called you spin the? Them? It, yeah, it was you could you could uh, they turned and they they would uh, actually tune and detune. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, roto toms. Yeah, roto-toms. yeah. Right. So I did that, and and just like you, I was a timpani player, but uh, then you moved up to the snare line. Congratulations. Yeah, I, that was like. That might have been my senior year, so I was already seventeen. I was already playing guitar by then, but you know, I still had one. Uh, foot uh, where in the where drum. do you go from there? Where, where yeah, do you go? Where yeah. do you go from snare drum? Nowhere, well, nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to guitar. So yeah, the uh, in that kid picture you first saw, um, I may have. Uh, I, we may have have already made the switch by this time, right. but um, that's my brother's first guitar. We, and I picked it up one day and realized without a pick, I was playing with my uh, my index fingernail right. as a pick. And uh, I wrote a song on one on the low E string, just like a bass line. Da, 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 da. It was like, hey. One string. Words. Yeah, one string. Yep. It was just like kind of a bass line. But I wrote a whole song and then... I wrote another song. Then I wrote another song. I was like, hey, man, I can write. I don't even know what I'm doing, and I can write songs. It's like, <laughs> I'm not just going to bang on things and be stuck in the back. I need to be up front. Yeah. So I started well, taking guitar lessons. And also, in all fairness, in that photo, if you go back to that early photo of you, um, you have a, you're screaming to get out in front because you have a little bit of a Liam Gallagher vibe right there as well. You know, it's kind of like, well, let me or, get or, in the or, front. Or, let me get in the front. That's what I or should Slim be. Jim. Slim Jim Phantom way before, <laughs> right? He stands playing. He plays standing up. Yeah, and, of course uh, he does. And I, I was playing standing up. Well, Slim Jim actually st- sits down too, and that's I, I had the pleasure of playing with him for many, many years when he uh, sat down. Because when he sits down, he he becomes very salty and grumpy and yells at you, especially if you're playing his club, the Cat Club. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you yourself are taking advantage of all the free alcohol. So that yeah, maybe that was the reason why he was so salty at me. But he, but you know what? We love Jim. We love Slim Jim Phantom, and I'm glad that he inspired you to move on to guitar because guitar ended up being a great choice for you right look at that yeah i mean it was uh you know it was necessary i thought to be a songwriter you can't be stuck behind the drums of course you know there are drummers that are don henley and you know people like that phil collins 
you know, that have had great careers as drummers and lead singers, songwriters. But but there's guys that get, the get behind the drums or they start with the drums and then kind of get in the front and then they get even crazier fame like Dave Grohl or, you know, yeah, or Dave Grohl. Steve yeah, Tyler, Stephen Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many people that we know that we've had on the podcast started with drums and they moved on uh and they eventually got in that front line. And the thing is, if you go back to that picture, the thing that strikes me is that you've always know that one of the two, you and your brother, um, you and your brother have been sort of staples all from, you know, he switched to bass. Uh, Vic, if you can put that photo up of uh, playing bass and stuff. There he goes. Yep. That was definitely at a talent show. Um, he had switched yep. to bass at that point. But you guys have been intertwined, uh, guitar and bass, for many, many years. Was he your inspiration or were you his inspiration or did it just feed off each other? He's a year younger than me. And we both at the same time listened to the Beatles revolver and went, what? So you know, it, revolver it, was your album. Okay. Yeah. We had been listening to the pop radio, whatever. I mean, we heard rock and roll on the radio, you know, we heard the who and small faces and, you know, they, they played, some, we lived in Buffalo at the time. I'm from upstate New York originally. Okay. So we lived in Buffalo from like when I was in kindergarten until about fourth grade. And then we moved down here outside of New York City, about 50 minutes outside in, in Jersey. But uh, Buffalo, they had a great radio station up there, WKBW. And they played, I remember hearing I Can See for Miles and, you know, Ichiku Park by the Small Faces, you know, the Who, the Hollies, Carrie Ann, all those great like kind of, you know, power pop melodic songs, which yeah. I think got into my head early on. Oh, but no. then we heard Revolver and like Tomorrow Never Knows. And she said, she said these like sonic weirdnesses that we'd never heard before. And we would, we would just sit there and stare at the album cover, you know, with, with there's pictures of them all in each other's hair. And we're like, <laughs> who's this? Is that Ringo? Is that, you know, we'd be trying to like match up. No, that's John. It's, it was, you so, know what? It was so it's, fascinating. It's, it's, it's you know? freaky how many times the Beatles will come up as the, the, the one that made it, you know, and we've had some, we've had some more classic guests that come on and they say, you know, I saw uh, Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, or that was the, the, the life changing moment. And, but it's always a Beatles reference that really got us into it. And for me, it was, I, I guess I would say my next door neighbor, uh, Adam, him and I used to sit on his couch and his parents had the white album and we would, he would, we would, I would play Tupperware um, with, with, with wooden spoons on the drums and he would, you know, and we would just mime that album. So it's amazing yeah. that the Beatles have such huge influence for launching so many careers. Who is that band now? Who do you think the band, who's that first band that people listen to and go, oh my God, the first time I heard that. Do you mean rock band or pop band? Whatever, <laughs> whatever band that comes out, like who, what band do does like a twelve year old kid, or even younger, because you were younger and I was younger when we first heard those albums. What what is it that that just really grabs them? What is that band or what is that album? Is it you know could it be Appetite for Destruction for you know some people or could it be you know what is a well, classic album or is it Nevermind by by Nirvana? Well, my twelve year old son. Um, really got into Green Day as far as rock goes. He got into Green Day. Um, who else? Stuff that I turned him on to, but generally, I mean, he's a really good singer and songwriter. So I've been working with him, writing, producing him, 
We've been doing demos since he was probably seven or eight. He's 12 now. That's amazing. Um, you're, ta- you're literally passing the torch on to the next generation. It happens yeah. to be your son. That's great. Yeah. And, 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 uh, now, but, but he really likes pop music. He likes like Sean Mendez and, um, uh, you know, he likes Bieber, I guess. And Well, you know, dude, when I, was, like when I was growing up, it was David Cassidy, uh, Tony, yeah. De- Tony DeFranco and the DeFranco family. I beat it to love beat. Yeah, the Osmond brothers. <laughs> yeah, you know, so so I love that sugary pop too. Bobby Sherman, if you will. Bobby Sherman, yes, and uh, and uh, who else? Uh, oh, the Jacksons, of course. Jackson Five. Yeah, absolutely, Jackson, Jackson Five. Go ahead. Those were like the kiddie, you know, the kid groups. But, but uh, you know, on the same radio stations. We would hear, you know, the Jackson Five and you know, AM radio. They had almost had like no format at all. So we'd hear the Jackson Five, like ABC, and then Aerosmith. Whole Lot of Love, yeah, <laughs> and a bridge version of, yeah. of Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love, yeah. You know, in, on the same station, it was crazy. It sounds like <laughs> it, it, outside Buffalo and outside of San Francisco, where I grew up, we had the same sort of radio programmers because I would literally hear the Commodores next to Cheap Trick. You know, which was, was yeah. a, a great con- a great way to grow up. But Dookie is it? You know, uh, Carousel Vertigo. That's exactly Dookie is one of those albums. I think that's probably for kids. Maybe Green something Day. It's Green Day. It, it just gets yeah. you know inspires them right now. Um, uh, you mentioned the, Vic- the, the title. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, if you're talking it's, about it's titles, all, it's all about the poop and fart jokes, you know. Well, let's talk. With, we're going to talk about the well, Bronx cheer. Actually, with my five-year-old, is more about those. With my twelve-year-old, now it's like uh, it's even saltier. Uh, well, let's solve the mystery then. Being that you've already talked about poop and fart jokes, let's solve the mystery of what the hell is a Bronx cheer. You're not besides just being your new album because there it is, Steve Conti, Bronx cheer. Uh, is is it similar to a Cleveland steamer or what is it? Well, I'm not sure what a Cleveland steamer is, but <laughs> you're not. Don't Google no. it. Don't Google it. Is that anything like a Dutch oven? It's a, maybe a little more intense. Okay. A little, a little bit like more a, German. It's not, like, it's not like a dirty Sanchez or anything, is it? It's okay. Now you're getting warm. Now I'm getting warm? <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, uh, maybe we should cut but it right there. What's a Bronx chair? I want to know. All right. So, well, a Bronx chair is technically, uh, you know, it's a raspberry, right? Okay. Just go. A fart noise. Okay, yeah. fart noise. But um, the album uh, cover, as you saw, right. has you know this real angry kid. And actually, what he's doing is that was taken during an anti-Trump protest on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. And it was taken um, what year? Because it looks like it could be from the 1930s, right? 2016. Wow. So the kid is. Uh, He's what? Do the math. You know, 20, 22 now, twenty one. Yeah. Um, but uh, so when I saw that picture and I saw that that's what he was protesting, I went, "Yes, that's my that's my man." So uh, and the fact that you know it's it's brunch cheer, but he looks really angry. It's yeah. like a nice contrast. Is what I like. But well, I also like that he's that the name brunch cheer. It's uh, giving a nice. 
I think it, it has from. a whole vibe to it, and I like the fact, if you can go back to that album cover, Vic, I like the fact that it looks like it comes from a different era. It looks like it comes from a completely different time because you did the sepia tone type of artwork. Whoever did the artwork on the album, great job on it, you know? Yeah, it's Rich Jones did the artwork, um, but it was a photo by a guy named Andre Kudaki. I actually saw the picture, the photo in New York Magazine, and I was like, oh, I got to find out how to get in touch with this guy. I Googled him. I tracked him down. He was living in Sweden, actually. Yeah, okay. He's a South American guy. He's, like, from Colombia or somewhere, but he's living in Sweden. And uh, so, you know, we, we worked out an agreement, and, uh, and then we, we kind of changed the cover a bit because there, there was a lot of faces you could recognize in the background there, and not. I couldn't get in touch with those people to, to get release forms, so he just blurred them out. Yeah. We actually, some of the people who were a little more recognizable, we actually changed their heads. <laughs> like this guy directly to his right if you're looking at it oh, that, yeah. that's not even the guy's real face okay. and the guy behind him too because we couldn't find them so well here's the thing like, i just hope in 10 years that that kid doesn't come and uh, sue you for sexual exploitation <laughs> no i got him to sign a release form all right see uh, that's what hey, you did which nirvana on, must not have now what, what was that it just happened a couple a couple weeks ago where, where the, the kid uh, the from kid the nirvana from album yeah from nevermind yeah. and he says it's completely affected his way his his life, but I I think it's affected it in a cool way because uh, what a what a better way to like close a deal on someone? Go hey, you've seen me naked already. What? what? <laughs> you know you've seen me naked. You've already seen me naked. What, what do you mean? And then you show them the album cover. And it's kind of like you know it's 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 the closer. I don't know. I, I, I kinda... But you know the way the way uh, Americans are. Uh, I mean I don't. I don't want to minimize the kid's problems if he's really had any, but let's face it. Americans love to sue people. They love to sue. And love they love to sue. They love to try and get some money for, <laughs> you know, whatever happens. Or maybe it was just a ploy to get more followers for Instagram. I don't know, man. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's seriously things. But the thing is, the fact that it happened and they didn't sign a release, who would have signed a release? The baby couldn't sign the, the kid. Yeah, you made yeah, that yeah. baby sign a release. You could have peed on the paper. You made the dog pay. Why am I doing all these quotes from like, whether it's fucking Spinal Tap or whatever? It's because I'm getting along. We come from the same era, Steve. That's yeah, why. dude. Oh, I know. And well, the Cat Club. Oh, my God. The New Don York Hill. Cat Club. But you know what? Let's, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's have a, a little toast to, to Don Hill because he was great. You know, he really was. I know it's a little yeah. bit earlier uh, for you in the day, but thanks for taking the time, Steve. Um, we're we're going to move on a little bit. Um, like, like I always say that, but I, I just love to fucking talk about the old school days um, of New York city. And, you know, being that I came there uh, and, and the rest of the band electric angels came, you know, we gravitated from LA to New York, which at the time wasn't, what you did you, that's maybe why we had a bit of success that way because we were going to swimming against the tide um but you were stationed there at that point and you had kind of really made a a mark in in new york um what what do you think was the turning point that got you into getting all the connections because i know it's you and your brother were jamming you were playing but was there a certain artist that like really opened the door for you to get into this sort of studio playing and studio musician type of career that you were building up? Yeah. 
So uh, if I had to like, I can trace all of my success back to one guy. And it's, <laughs> and it's a guy, <laughs> this is funny. It's a guy I went to, uh, when I was going to college at Rutgers, uh, I met this guy named Jiggs. He's got a band called Jigs and the Pigs. It was a punk band. Jigs and, and you know, I was there like, like trying to be a real guitar player, you know, like studying West Montgomery and, you know, yeah. I wanted to be a jazz player at that time. And uh, I met this punk rock kid and we became friends. Actually, we were dating, um, we were dating two girls that were best friends. That's how we met. Okay. And turns out, you know, years after college, I moved to New York and, oh, oh, he, uh, introduces me to his brother-in-law, a guy named Glenn Burtnick. You know Glenn? Of course, man. Glenn, I so, would, actually, Glenn Burtnick is one of the guys that I was trying to write songs like his, like on the on the West Coast, because he had this amazing pop sensibility with yeah. and, and great vibe. So, okay, that was his brother. Yeah, so, yeah, it was his brother-in-law. Oh, so brother-in-law. Okay. he introduced me to Glenn, and I joined Glenn's band. And did uh, my first MTV video in 1980, what, seven maybe. What um, song was it for? I think I saw Follow You. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and the drummer in that band was Jimmy Clark. Okay. You know Jimmy? Jimmy Clark. Jimmy, who, who, who would everybody. end up. Jimmy would end up being the drummer in Demolition 23 with Michael Monroe and Sammy Affa. Wow. Um, and he's now, um, that's Rich Jones. He would, uh, he's now uh, Metallica's uh, drum tech. He, he texts for Lars. But uh, so Jimmy, um, uh, I'll try and get through this quick. No, no. Jimmy I, like drives- the, I, like the, I like this sort of twists and turns because they all open doors for later bands that you played in. Yeah, it's incredible. Jigs. Jimmy, the drummer, after I left the part of ways with Glenn, Jimmy dragged me into a project with his then girlfriend, this girl called Robin Beck. And we used to rehearse at Top Cat Studios. Remember Top Cat on 28th I, Street? I do. I've, I've been there. I've I rehearsed yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. So we, uh, we rehearsed there and um, she brought her producer down, this guy, Jeff Kent, uh, who had been in a New York band called Dreams. They were like kind of blood, sweat and tears before blood, sweat and tears. They had the Brecker Brothers on horns. They were like a jazz rock, early 70s, late 60s band. And he, uh, Jeff, started like putting me on sessions, uh, commercials, demos, whatever. I started getting session work because of him. And then I had a blues band called the Hudson River Rats. And I told Jeff about it. He was like, yeah, I've been wanting to start a blues night, like a blues jam night. And would you be interested in that? I said, yeah, let's do it. Did you want so to start it down Rick, in the village? Is that where you wanted you to start go. the club at? Um, yes. So we went to the uh, under Acme, Acme Barn Grill on Great Jones Street. Okay. And uh, we played every Wednesday night, or no, every Monday night. Was it Wednesday or Monday? Uh, <laughs> for like two years. And the your word residency. got out. Yeah, it was a residency. The word got out after a year, and the people who would come down were incredible. Carol King came and jammed with us. Cindy Lauper, Phoebe Snow was a regular. All the Blues Brothers musicians, Will Lee, uh, Lou Marini, 
So you, um, you're amassing this credibility because yeah. as, and you already have the door gets open because they say, oh, well, this this great band, you know, studio musician, go down and check out the go down and check out the jam. There we are. Is that oh, at, is that at the jam or is that a different place? No, that's a different band. That's uh, that was a band called the Bayonne Bleeders. OK, I had for, for a minute. I think we did two gigs at the Cafe Wa and then uh, for a New York. Minute. Yeah, yeah. But you. that's Phoebe Snow singing. But um so, like, all these players came down. Even Willie DeVille, who I would later end up playing with, came down to jam with us. David jammed with Willie when DeVille? Was, then yeah, I, 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 was in, I was in Willie's band. I might have seen you then and not known about it because I used to go see Willie DeVille um, at the Roadhouse up on 53rd Street. Oh yeah, I don't know if you ever if you, 52nd Street. I don't know if you ever played any of those shows that he did. No, I, okay. I love the Roadhouse. I used to go there all the time, but yeah. no, I didn't play with Willie. I did uh, a European tour with him. Okay, 2003. That's where I met my such, wife. Actually. Such great songs, Mink yeah. Divi- folks. Mink I mean, Divil. if you if you can, yeah, if you can r- jot down some of these names if you're watching this podcast, if you're listening to it, if you're watching it, thank you very much. But if you're listening to it, uh, get on over to the Ryan Roxy YouTube official channel and make sure you hit that subscribe button. But uh, yes, yeah, a lot of these sort of Easter eggs that we give you when we're just talking names and stuff are such amazing artists. Uh, Willie DeVille, I don't think it's enough credit for being as no. great a guitar player and a or, or songwriter Singer. as he was. You know, he, and great. vibe wise, I mean, the vibe of Johnny oh, the Thunders, style. the style, the vibe of Johnny Thunders, a little bit just like just cool ex rock and roll and stuff. And I don't know if you have any Johnny Thunder stories. Did you? I don't. I never met. Never met Thunders. Okay. But uh, but anyway, back to you know Willie and and David Johansson would come down to jam with us. Lead as, singer uh, of the, the New York Dolls. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he was Buster Poindexter at the time, so he'd come with his you know pompadour and his suit and, that and we had uh, oh, Julian Lennon. I mean, people from Stevie Ray Vaughan's keyboard players. Just you know, it was the who's who of New York City musicians. So people started um, you know calling me for session work and commercials and and that's where i actually met keith jeff kent this, this guy i mentioned he brought he said hey i i got this singer you should meet and he's a great songwriter and you know he he loves the beatles like you and and tom petty and and so we got together and uh he came down to the blues jam and we jammed and then he came and over to my house we wrote our first uh like we wrote half of our first album in in the first week we didn't even think about having a band yet we were just like writing songs together and we were like hey wow we should start a band i said i know a bass player my brother he's like i, I know a drummer frankie LaRocca, who was the a&r guy for atlantic and that's where you got confused with the atlantic thing because that's we right because he was working a, at atlantic during that yeah, time we had a demo we had a demo deal with atlantic okay so we recorded like whatever five songs oh, yeah. and then atlantic passed and we were like Good. So we got a great demo out of it. Now we're going to take <laughs> it around. And we took it around and there became this bidding war and like Capital and Mercury and all these companies came out. And we went with Mercury because we thought, oh, they're a great rock and roll label. You know, they got Kiss and the Scorpions. And, you know. Yeah. But uh, at that time, it, Atlantic it, was a pretty big rock and roll label as well. I mean, yeah. everybody was. I mean, it was, let's be honest, it was Atco, Mercury, Atlantic. Every, everybody had some sort of rock bands because rock was in vogue back then, you know, no doubt yeah. about well, it. I'm talking 1988, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we got signed. We got signed in 89. And, uh, and you know, after that, um, you know, we, we went on tour and, and did a second album that didn't come out. The first album came out in 1990 on Mercury, 
second album didn't come out. And then uh, we, you know, because Seattle happened, everybody wanted to have guys yeah. with flannels and uh, long shorts and, you know, East Coast kind of got we East Coast got a little bit left behind on that on that ride because I remember the day it kind of happened the day that uh, Nevermind came out. To be honest with you, I was listening to it and I'm going, "This album's going to change the fucking world. It's going to change a lot of things, man." It's gonna, because to me, they just made a really dirty, gritty, sleazy sounding cheap trick record, which I loved. You know, so it's like poppy yeah. songs, but with like like eight guitars instead of two <laughs> yeah and you could hear kurt turning on and off the distortion pedal like in uh yeah in well, bloom yeah you know yeah. you can hear the, the pedal go on and off or, or is it uh I, I think it's teen spirit actually you can hear it click off right before that right before the verse when it gets quiet it's probably butch vig putting the uh, distortion box on because i i think <laughs> it's it's funny when i hear and i read articles now how you know people say yeah kurt didn't really like you know Never mind. And I was like, well, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds because that opened the door to everything else that you were able to do art artistically because that that album was the perfect album for the perfect time. You know, yep. sometimes you get those perfect storm type of records and stuff. So you're, you're meeting all these people, uh, Steve, you're jamming with them. But you're, you know, again, one band is leading to another. So, you know, it, it can it could go back to jigs. But then I, th I feel that uh, um, Sam Yaffa had something to do with you getting into a few of these other type of situations. Am I right? Yeah, there's a big chunk in between. That oh, let's go to the miss, chunk. But let's see the chunk if you want to hear the chunk. All right, well, here's the chunk. So, so after Company of Wolves, Billy Squire heard the Company of Wolves record, and he said, who's that guy? I want him to play guitar and sing on my record it was his last record for capital called tell the truth really good record so me and keith the singer from the wolves we uh sang all the backgrounds and i played guitar on a bunch of songs and um uh because oh i know why because gary lyons the guy who produced our second wolves record was working with billy billy squire again I, don't say no that album it, it, like like again one of those just must hears i think it's one one of the more underrated sort of artists over the years can get, get kind of kind of uh kind of kind of lambasted for one stupid video yeah one video yeah, yeah one video and then it's kind of like eh. but you know but the yeah, thing is people wrote the, him off which is but the ridiculous. thing is the fucking guy wrote great songs don't oh, he did write great songs and and i ended up going on tour with him too i i toured on the 20th there it is the 20th anniversary of don't say no album was uh, in 2000 because that came out in 80 so uh, I did that 20th anniversary tour with him. And, um, you know, that led me places. I ended up working with Peter Wolf after that from Jay Giles, who was one of my favorite, you know, childhood bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I ended up working with Paul Simon. Damn. Uh, I was Paul Simon's vocal stand-in for 10 years for rehearsals. So there you go. Whatever uh, vocal stand-in. Wait a yeah, second. Yeah, I was like his. I was like his stunt singer, you know. <laughs> so, so in rehearsals, when Paul didn't want to sing, he would go, "I'm gonna take a rest. Uh, bridge over troubled water. You take it, Steve." Could, could and, you could you maybe say you were the fluff girl for Paul Simon? 
<laughs> on the mic, just on the mic. You're just fluffing the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he had his own mic. <laughs> no, so Paul would be, you know, set up in, in the middle of the band. I'd be off to the side with my uh, music stand and like, you know, tons of like lyric books and sheet music. But you know, you'd have to was... get the right melodies and all that kind of stuff. You, oh, yeah, learn, yeah. you, you learned all those songs anyway. I learned all the songs. And let me tell you, they're not easy. I mean, there's some like that Rhythm of the Saints album. With, with all the Brazilian musicians, there's oh, yeah. some shit. It's like an 11 8, you know, and like 9 8, all these weird time signatures. And, you know, he had three percussionists and Steve Gadd on drums and just this incredible band. Um, and then I also did Simon and Garfunkel, where he had Jim Keltner on drums and Pino Palladino on bass. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, art wouldn't show up and we'd do duets. It would be Simon and Conti. I'd sing Scarborough Fair or, Simon or uh, and Conti. Yeah, or it. Art wouldn't show up, or Paul wouldn't show up one day, and it'd be Conti and Garfunkel. You know, we'd do Sounds of Silence. I'd take Paul's part. Art would sing. You know, it was crazy. That's the ultimate in had- the trenches sort of uh, guest, folks, that we have today. Because you know what, you have been basically seven. You know, not even seven degrees. You've been like you know two or three degrees from every single fucking genre. Of huge there's, guys, there's and there Peter you are in the studio right there's now. Is Peter that Wolf. is that Peter Wolf over in the right corner with the sunglasses on, next to Curtis King, the dark-skinned gentleman? Okay, great, uh, he's also a great singer. And, who's, and that's Kenny White, the producer with the shades on, and my brother next to him. Yeah, I just happened to uh, walk. My brother was recording with Peter, and, and I said, oh, "I can't believe you're recording with Peter Wolf." You know how big of a hero he is of mine. You know, I just loved Wolf from like Bloodshot. You know, I had the red vinyl, Jay Giles band. When Give It To Me came out, you know? And I was like, man, I, I wish I could meet him. He's like, just stop by the studio one day. So I, I stopped by in that room right there. And uh, someone threw a guitar into my hand, and I started playing, and Peter started singing. And That's next amazing. thing I knew, I was playing. He's going, you know that song? I was playing, like, these old Jay Giles songs. And he's like, man, we got to get this guy on the record. So the next day, they booked me, and I came in, and I played guitar. Uh, uh, me on one track and Cornell Dupree on the other track. One of the oh, first no. rock shows I ever saw was Jay Giles. And maybe you can help me clear up the mystery because for years and years, I couldn't figure out who Jay Giles was. The guitar player. Exactly. And, and I, because you always kind of think, you assume that if, if it's called a band's name, it's usually the singer. It's the singer, right? But it no. wasn't. So it was Jay Giles that was, that was the guitarist. Okay. And did you yeah, jam and, with him? Uh, I actually opened up for him, him and Magic Dick, the harp player. Um, they had a band called uh, Jay Gal's Magic Dick Blues Time, they were called. I opened for them at the bottom line in New York in the early 2000s. And it was great. To, you know, I ended up meeting all those guys, except Seth Justman, the keyboard player. He actually came to my apartment in Manhattan. He wanted me to be the lead singer for his new band. And he played me some songs, and I wasn't quite into them very much. But uh, it was amazing to hear Seth Justman playing his songs coming out of my speakers in my little bedroom in Manhattan. I've been listening to this guy since I was 12 years old, you know? I wonder what... magic kickstarts coming out of my speakers. I wonder what fate would have happened if, like, because, you you know, you're not naming the band after the singer. If they just would have named the band the Magic Dick Band. I wonder what would have happened. I'm just curious. I mean, you never... The Magic Dick Band has... It rolls off the tongue a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second, that sounded... 
wrong, didn't it? Well, um, <laughs> let's take a quick break right now. Uh, we're hanging out talking with Steve Conte. You have some time, Steve, to just talk a little bit more because we're going to take a yeah, little break. And, and, of course, yeah. uh, I, I love catching up on all this stuff. But, of course, we want to talk about uh, the new album, Bronx Cheer, that's out uh coming out maybe by the time you're watching this it's already out but uh we're going to talk about this album right there that vic just put up called the bronx cheer uh not the bronx cheer but uh bronx cheer by steve conti and we are also going to talk about the system 12 guitar method because we have an absolutely new spanking commercial that uh i think even magic dick would be proud of so vic why don't you run it Hello, Ryan Roxy here from the Alice Cooper Band, and I'd like to talk a little bit about one of my favorite things, playing guitar. Here at the RGA headquarters, which stands for Roxy Guitar Army, by the way, we've put together a guitar learning system that will get you playing and understanding the guitar faster than any other teaching program out there. We call it the System 12 Guitar Method, and it's designed to make the most out of your time, your effort, and your passion for learning guitar. By combining new school technology, old school mentoring, and the number 12, we have invented a new way to teach guitar. And over the past year, we have helped so many people who wanted to start or continue their guitar journey do exactly that. Now, we'd like to help you. There's never been a better time to start learning guitar than right now. If you think it's too hard, the System 12 makes it easy. If you think it'll take too much time, the System 12 will have you playing in 12 weeks. And if you think it's too expensive, the entire System 12 costs less than what one private guitar lesson would cost you at your local music store. Check out the official site or the links below in the description of this video to join the RGA and get started on your guitar journey with the System 12 Guitar Method. Now, let's get back into the trenches for some more rock and roll. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the ride. Mwah! That's it. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen it. So, hey, Vic. Damn. Thank you, Vic, for doing that production on that new thing. But, yeah, I think he's right. I, I got to, you know, adjust the teleprompter a little bit different next time. Um, but it's okay. We we have echo problems here on the program. We have some sort of teleprompter problems. It doesn't matter because we're hanging out. Life on, isn't perfect. Yeah, in the trenches Fridays, which I really, really do love having um, – uh, this new Friday vibe happening. And um, like I said, we're here with Steve Conte, guitarist, uh, singer, songwriter, producer. And honestly, now I'm, I'm finding out pretty much associated with every artist that's on the radio that you've ever heard. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. Well, I, I do want to get into, you know, because the, some of the other stuff that you've done that, really kind of impressed me. I know it's a little bit later years because I don't want, need to have to go all chronological order, but um, there was a uh, the work that you did with Yoko. And I'm not oh, talking yeah. about Yoko Ono. I'm talking about Yoko uh -huh. Kano. You've worked with anime and video game uh, sort of artists as well, video game production. Uh, the lyricist Tim Jensen. How did this all fall? Was it something that happened to that you had this credibility from, from being a studio musician or how did you meet Yoko and Tim and start getting into anime? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I, I call it the, you hang around this crazy town long enough. People start you know? to notice. <laughs> yeah. Scenario. Um, again, like with what happened later with New York dolls, which we'll get to, um, you know, Yoko, I had no idea who she was. She came from Japan 
uh, to record some songs for her solo record. And she started asking around, I need a, a male rock singer. Who can, who can I get? And the people just gave her my name. I sent her a tape. This is back when they had cassette tapes and you'd send those out for demos. Of course. She loved it. I came down, I sang for her. It went on her record and she said, in a couple of months, I'm going to come back to do uh, a soundtrack for this new anime that they're making. This was 1998 uh, called Cowboy Bebop. Are you interested in doing that? I said, sure. I had no idea how huge it was going to become. And, you know, 20 years later, it's still, if you Google my name, the first thing that comes up is a line of Cowboy Bebop, you know, anime videos. It's like, it's more popular than almost anything I've done. And you sang, you, know? you sang on a couple of those songs, is right? Yeah, I sang on eight of eight uh, tracks. Well, let's see, four for uh, Cowboy Bebop series, I think. Uh, two for the movie. There was a Sony, like, actual uh, full-length film. Um, and then her next series was called Ghost in the Shell, which they've done uh, a live-action uh, movie for with Scarlett Johansson recently. And um, also, I think there's a series, animated series now on Netflix. And Cowboy Bebop just came out with a live-action series. I don't think it's on yet, but that's going to be happening. And then there was another one called Wolf's Rain that I did a bunch of songs on. And then, you know, people started passing my name around again. And I did Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, that, that video game. I did a song on that. With so when you're in the anime scene, when you're in that anime scene, you know, are you part of the franchise now? Do, do people just kind of like go to you and say, okay, I'm going to get Steve because it worked on this other thing. And it's going, uh, yeah, let's just use Steve. That might have been what happened with Sonic, um, but even that was a good 15 or 10 or 15 years ago. Right. So I haven't been doing a lot of that stuff lately. Uh, I did like a reunion with Yoko and her band um, last summer during lockdown. She actually flew me to uh, Tokyo a couple of times and I did like live concerts with her and the band there. While the um, lockdown was going on here. No, in no, no. States, no, so. but before oh. lockdown. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, 2009 i did the, the last live thing there 2001 i did the like the premiere of the movie and that she did a, a live concert there at shibuya Damn. but um shibuya yeah, yeah shibuya. i know the, the lexington queen isn't isn't that close isn't there a bar around in, or is that the other part of tokyo Shinjuku? that i shouldn't so i shouldn't oh, know about Rapongi? Rapongi, that's what it is Rapongi. Oh, Rapongi, there's yeah. a place called the lexington yeah. queen that's a uh, you know, we shout out to the owners of the Lexington Queen. They always give us uh, very good service, uh, big bottles of vodka, and then the next day you don't really remember what happened. Mm -hmm. I remember enough. Yeah. I remember enough. Nothing bad, but yeah. Yeah, Rapongi is the dirty place <laughs> um, <laughs> where you can get it's, yourself in trouble. It kind of goes repugnant. Repugni. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Rapongi. <laughs> so, yeah, but, that, you know, I, I would do more, but uh, I haven't gotten the call lately. But, I understand. It's like, I guess it's like the music business and everything else. You know, they sort of go with what's popular these days. And that was 20 years ago. And, you know, I, I people are, I see them tweeting all the time. They, they're making a Cowboy Bebop, you know, remake uh, with live action on, on uh, Netflix. And how can they do it without Steve? And I'm like, you know what? If they call me, I'll be very surprised. But, you know, music has changed since then. Voices have changed. What they about Steve? Want. Gotta get Steve yeah. back on there. Hey, hey, you know what? Here, here, here's the arc of a uh, of a studio uh, singer, right? All right. It goes, it goes. 
Who the fuck is Steve Conti? Get me Steve Conti. Get me a young Steve Conti. Who the fuck is Steve Conti? <laughs> <laughs> the rise and fall Woo! of Steve Conti. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, the thing is, we are going global because Steve Conti is not is way more than just NYC. When we started the interview, I thought I was we're just going to talk about New York and East Coast, but now we we've gone down to Tokyo. But I'm going to go all the way up to the North Pole because I was watching something as well uh, that you did with this artist called Angelina Jordan. And you play oh, you play Norway. guitar Norway. you play guitar for her, folks. If you haven't seen this, this is again one of those videos that you just kind of look at and you go, "How the fuck did that happen? How did that voice come out of that person?" And I saw you're sitting right there, this artist Angelina Jordan. Um, I don't know if, if every. I mean, obviously she's big in the circles, but do, does. Everybody, am, am I just, have I just been living under a rock? Because I, I hadn't seen that video until today. And then you basically see like a 12-year-old girl sing. Eight-year-old eight girl sing. She was eight, like Billie Holiday. Like Billie Holiday on The View. It's insane. And yeah. what? how did that whole situation come about? Uh, that was the Rosie O'Donnell show. So um, I got the call to... Uh, to play with, yeah, I mean, my friend was the technical guy, um, actually my lawyer. <laughs> her oh. husband her husband worked at the Rosie Show uh, doing the all the technical, like, sound stuff. And I guess, you know, Angelina, she had won, like, Norway's Got Talent, like, uh, a bunch of times. All right. And she's kind of all grown up now. She's, uh, she's looks very adult these days okay uh, but, but if you watch this video face. if you go to that video and you see the the voice that comes out of her yeah it, it's incredible yeah uh, you know she's eight years old and you know i had no idea what to expect they said you know come bring your acoustic guitar and and um you know she's gonna do a jazz tunes fly me to the moon i'm like okay i know that I played it with my mom. My mom's a jazz singer, you know. I, in she, fact, you, in fact, earlier in the podcast, Vic put out uh, an album cover that I believe was from your mom for the album. Yeah. And maybe it might have been that song, right? Yeah. Uh, no, she does a, a bunch of other standards on here, but yeah, that's my mom back in the day. Musical background, whether yep. it's your brother or yeah. your mother, and your father yeah, too, so, right? Your father was a musician. yeah. My dad had a great record collection. He had all the Miles Davis. Charlie Parker, Wes Montgomery. That's where I heard all that stuff from, you know, when I was five years old, six years old. And uh, so, you know, I knew the song anyway, and I, I knew all those standards anyway, and it was no problem. But I had no idea what to expect when this girl opened her mouth and it sounded like Billie Holiday, yeah. eight-year-old with like a, a tattered dress and bare feet, you know, like she had such a vibe too, you know, and her hair was kind of teasy and, and um, yeah, just Google it. Rosie O'Donnell show, um, Angelina Jordan, fly me to the moon. No, it's definitely we'll it's definitely thing. worth the watch. I was like, I was blown away. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, that I, was I was like, a, that was a weird one-off thing. But that's another one of those, you know, hang around this crazy town long enough. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, I get yeah, it. Yeah, so so the thing is, I'm gonna get back into the nitty gritty world of rock and roll because you've been also been associated with a couple of. Uh, at least the genres that I love of rock and roll, some of the most influential bands, uh, one of them being the New York Dolls, and mm -hmm. the other one being, which had some of the same members of, uh, 
of the New York Dolls that eventually went on to Michael Monroe's band, his solo project. They both have a definite uh, influence of of like for for me, and obviously have had to have been for you. Now you didn't know you didn't really know you were going to be playing with um, Johansson back in the days when he'd come and jam with you as Buster Poindexter, but oh. but how did it end up happening that you end up being in the New York Dolls? Uh, another one of those you know crazy town stories. Um, David uh, apparently had gotten the call from Morrissey to uh, put the dolls back together. Yeah, people have been asking him for decades, you know, put the dolls back together. Arthur Kane would have loved it. You know, Sylvain would have loved it, but David always said no. But for some reason, I don't know if David sort of had the idea that, you know, he wanted to get back together with his old friends or, or what the deal was. But uh, good thing he did because, you know, as we know, Arthur passed yeah, Arthur, unfortunately, I don't think Arthur was able to do any. Uh, was he able to do any of those shows with you? Because I, your brother, well, he did up... the, he did the very first one. Okay, and, and that that was originally it was just going to be one gig, right? So Morrissey talked David into it. David finally relented and said, "Okay, I'll do it." Right. So he called uh, a bunch of respected guitar players in town, New York, that he had worked with, Jimmy Vivino from the Conan Show, uh, who he had played with. Um, Larry Saltzman, this other guy, who, uh, great guitar player who played with him, Harry Smith, his acoustic blues band. And both guys gave him, they said, I'm going to give you one name, call Conti. He's the guy, he's got the right look, he's got the right guitars, he's got the right amps, he's got the right <laughs> attitude. Don't call anybody else, just call him. So David called me, we had lunch, we met at a diner, uh, he had half a cantaloupe. I remember. <laughs> very, hey, wait, wait, that's very taxi driver. She had an apple pie, apple pie with a slice of cheese. <laughs> Amazing. Are you Travis Bickle? Did you Travis Bickle in? <laughs> I don't remember what I had, but I do remember what he had. And at the end of the conversation, you know, we never played a note of music together. But at the end of, the, of our hangout, he was like, uh, I, I, took it, uh, I took the liberty of making, uh, let me see if I can have an envelope here. He's like, I took the liberty of uh, putting this together. You want to, and he hands me this like envelope full of uh, cash sheet music oh, and lyrics <laughs> and a couple of CDs. And he's like, you want to do this gig or what? I was like, okay. So sure. no, no audition. Let's go to London. So, you know, no audition, no jamming. Um, he just based on the, the recommendations of these two guitar players. Wow. You know, we did it. So we started rehearsing in New York with Brian Delaney and then uh, our drummer and Arthur and, and Sylvain, which was amazing. You know, like, yeah, you're, I felt you're, like you're I knew guy. Sylvain my whole yeah. life. Because Sylvain, uh, I had been hearing his name since I was like 15 because, do you, do you know the history of the Dolls? You know Billy Mercia, their first drummer who died? No. Before Jerry Nolan? No, tell me the history of that. Because I, yeah, I knew Jerry from New York. You know, he'd yeah, so around the scene. The, 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 oh, nice photo there. I never saw that one. Cool. Um, the very first drummer in the Dolls, when they first started getting their notoriety, was a Colombian kid called Billy Mercia, who Sylvain went to, the, to high school with, and who actually he told me they they set up like a fight. They were like, "You're gonna fight this kid after school," <laughs> and and Sylvain and and Billy Mercia got out there on the on the playground, and and they went, "Hey, wait a minute, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool. Hey, let's start a band." And they hugged each other and. 
And next thing you know, he's the drummer in the Dolls. Well, he was the guy who, when they went to England the first time and played, uh, he took a bunch of Mandrax, which is, I guess, some sort of downers. He was, and, the first, uh, he was the first one to pass away of the Yeah, and he died in a, in a bathtub. You know, these girls yeah. like poured coffee down his throat, trying to wake him up. And I think he drowned in the coffee, actually, not in the bath. So, but anyway, his, his Billy's family moved to my little town of Matawan, New Jersey, 50 minutes outside of Manhattan. And his bro, Billy's older brother, Alphonse, used to, uh, he was a freaky dude, long, curly hair, elephant bells and big platforms. <laughs> and he would like walk down the highway talking to himself. He was like an acid casualty, you know? Oh boy. And he laughed to himself, talking to himself. And he'd go, hey man, hey man, you know who you look like? You look like Johnny Thunders. I'd be like, who? <laughs> Johnny Thunders, you don't know who Johnny Thunders is? So he would bring all the records to my house. I was oh, 15. Shit, so he, he gave you he, some education. Yeah, he brought Sylvain, the Criminals records. He brought Heartbreakers. He brought Dolls to my house. Great. And, uh, you know, I was more like a, I wanted to be a player. You know, I wanted to be Jeff Beck. I wanted to be Hendrix, Page. No, you, you, were know, you told us you were, you were studying to be more of a, you know, even a jazz cat. Even a, if it can yeah, but not, not, at this, not at this point. I was okay. 15, 16. Uh, you know, I was really into Jimmy Page, All really right. into Jeff Beck, really into Hendrix, Richie Blackmore, you know. Oh, my God. That, where'd you dig that one up from, dude? That's Richie know. Fontana on drums. You know who that is? No. Richie no. Fontana from, from uh, Piper. Billy oh, of Squire's course. Of, oh, yes, 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 yes. Now, and Paul well, Stanley's solo album. Well, he has, yeah, he has Paul Stanley's haircut friends. right there. But I don't know what yeah. that has to do with the story of the New York Dolls, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. And I'm playing bass there. But anyway, it. so, so uh, Alphonse, you know, turned me on to all these records. And... Uh, well, you know, 15, 20 years later, I get the call from David. It's freaky. But uh, so when I met Syl, uh, he seemed like I'd been hearing about his name. I'd been hearing his name for so many years from Alphonse. And uh, and he just, he seemed like someone that I had known my whole life. Right. I, I loved the guy immediately. And Arthur, too, was just very down to earth. So David was always more, you know, you know, the the lead guy who kind of kept a little distance. A little but, reserved, um, yeah. But, um... You must have you know, felt it, that, that, that that spot, though, when you started jamming with these guys, the original guys, the same way that I felt when I got to do those shows with the original Alice Cooper band, where you, you're sitting back there playing the parts. Um, I was, you know, lucky enough to play the parts of Glenn Buxton, but I'm sitting back here watching the magic happen from the best seat in the house, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was incredible. I mean, how many, you know, bands, let alone New York bands, because there ain't many of them, you know, legendary New York bands could you just step into? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Not, not many. I mean, I can't even really name that many. Kiss. Uh, how many bands are there that came out of New York? That, Zebra. You know. Zebra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, classic bands that we all know and love and, you know. Right. Tell me what you want. Uh, hey, you've played with all of them, though, at this point, man. So, so, yeah. how, so what, what ends up happening, uh, unfortunately, Arthur can't do more touring after the first gig. So then your brother yeah. comes back. But then yeah, your brother, we, but your brother can't do the can't do the tour or something like that. And then that is that how Sammy got involved or what? Yeah. Happened yeah. We did the two shows at Royal Festival Hall, which was incredible. Um, you know, one which was filmed for that DVD. 
uh, Morrissey Presents, The Return of the New York Dolls. Um, luckily, you know, it was recorded. Arthur's final performance on this earth, you know, and, uh, wow. and wow. you know, his, cool. his dream come true to get the dolls back together, and it was recorded um, and filmed. Uh, so we did that. We did those. We did two nights there in London, you know, sold out. Everybody was there. I mean, you know, I met Mick Jones and Chrissy Hind and Geldof, and they were all just back in the dressing room, you know, hugging us. Vic, do you have pictures of Bob Geldof, Chrissy Hind for the Pretenders, and uh, who else did you mention? You name dropped a lot in that one sentence. Sorry, did I grab something? There's one of Oh, look at that. Oh, me and BP and, and Bob. I've uh, done a lot of stuff with Bob. I, I really like that dude. Bob Geldof. There he is, folks. That's there's the There's actually one uh, there's one of me and Bob from backstage, uh, Vic, which I'm surprised you didn't nab from my uh, Facebook page. <laughs> See? But, Pile um, on Vic. Look at it. Now Vic's throwing up his hands like Come on, Vic. Even even when the guests start piling on, it's one thing when Roxy does it. My my favorite story is the is the time that Bob Geldof came up with uh, with us in Australia to jam schools out and he almost ended up killing a uh, he almost ended up killing an audience member because you know Alice has these throwing knives that he likes to you know uh, pop the balloons for schools out because you've come up with us in Alice oh, Cooper. Yeah. You've come up and played yeah. schools out with us a, a few times. In fact, some of the coolest moments that we've had is when you and Michael Monroe have come up with us to play those uh, that uh, encore of schools out. So uh, Bob Geldof comes on stage and you know, of course, you know, before the show, we're like, hey, Bob, do you know the song? He said, ah, I know it. Of course, it's a classic. Of course, I know it. You know, and then he then he comes on. I don't, he doesn't know. So he has a teleprompter and he sings it. He's fine. He's good. We got the words covered, but then Alice hands him a knife. And unfortunately, I don't know what your experience with Bob Geldof's knife um, experience wielding. is. Yeah. Wielding. He doesn't have experience with it. So he basically throws the knife at a balloon. It doesn't pop because the balloon doesn't, like uh, it, it bounces off the balloon, but it but the knife goes into the audience. <laughs> and man, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, right? Luckily, there. well, it was Australia, so luckily, you know, they they don't do that down there. They probably with a badge of honor if you get uh, you know a knife in the you skull. Get your eye poked out. <laughs> so oh so good. Um. So so after that, those shows. Yeah. All right, Sammy so, gets in sorry, the band sorry, somehow. Sorry to get off on a tangent there. But yeah, we, we do those shows. And then Arthur gets, we're supposed to open up for Morrissey at uh, Manchester Football Stadium, 80,000 people. That's huge. You know, like a month later or a couple weeks later. And um, we are, uh, but uh, Arthur has been forbidden by his doctors to fly because they thought he had like a really bad flu. Oh, shit. So my brother on, Two days notice, learns the entire show. We play the show with Morrissey, my brother on bass. Um, that's filmed, actually, and that's on that's a, on a bonus part of that DVD, that same DVD with Arthur. So after um, the podcast, all you folks can go down and check out all these videos that hopefully you are, are scribbling down or writing in your notes, but it's after the podcast to check out all these videos that uh, Steve Conti is, is involved in. Because now that I'm finding after this conversation, pretty much every other video that's on YouTube is probably involving you in one way or another. 
<laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah, the uh, David um, offers my brother the gig, and my, well, uh, hold on, so <laughs> we're, we're mixing, we come home from the gig with Morrissey, I'm in the studio with Kevin Shirley, you know, the, the mixer, engineer, great, okay. yeah. classic dude, he, I worked on the Billy Squire record with him, and Mike Chapman producing. Oh, um, yeah, Love Chapman. Mike Chapman does, does produce the suite, produce yeah. Hey, Blondie, another Blondie. New York band. There's a New York yeah, band that we, New didn't, York band. we didn't yeah, talk about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. But, uh, yeah. But this is a band of dudes, you know what uh, I mean? All like, right, all right. You could actually, Fair like, enough. you could actually be in the band and, like, record on the records and write songs with them. You know what I mean? It wasn't like being Rod Stewart's band and being in the back and no one ever knows who you are. You know, kind of thing. Gotcha. gotcha. So, um, but uh, I'm in the studio with Kevin Shirley. We're mixing um, the live record for the DVD. We got Arthur's face freeze-framed on the, on the video screen, and the phone rings, and it's our manager saying, Arthur just died. Holy shit. I'm like, what? He had a flu. No, he had leukemia. They just figured that out 24 hours ago, and he died within one day. I was like, wow. It's insane. Wow. So... That's when David Joe, uh, you know, we were, it was supposed to be the one gig at Royal Festival Hall, but then the call started coming in and David was like, well, I think Arthur would, you know, want us to keep going. So my brother couldn't do the gig and we had a bunch of auditions. I brought a couple of guys. I didn't know Sammy. Sylvain brought Sammy. Okay. I brought a couple of other guys uh, that I knew, um, but Sammy was definitely the right guy. You so know? that's how you, that's how you eventually met Sammy. Yeah, that's how I met Sammy. Okay. Um, he was the perfect guy. He knew Sylvain. He had played with Thunders. You know, it was like a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was really into the band. I mean, I, you know, before I joined the Dolls, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't really know the music. Kind of like the same thing with Michael. I didn't really know the music. Um, you know, heard the name a million times. You know, knew there were... You didn't know the music, but you knew the genre. You knew the style because yeah. that's kind of what you were associated with, right? I mean, you knew... You yeah, no, it was, it was not like a huge stretch or anything. I mean, to me, for the Dolls, it was like people say, yo, you know, were you into Johnny Thunders? Or, you know, some people just looked at my nose and my hair and they went, oh, you were Johnny Wannabe. <laughs> you must like, have been into Johnny um, Thunders because you have a nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Italian from New York. Sorry, it, you know... Just genetics. Yes. Um, but, you know, I figured I was into Keith Richards and Chuck Berry. I figured you do Keith Richards and Chuck Berry, turn up the Marshall to 12, and then there's Thunders, you know? So that was kind of my, uh, uh, you know, my mindset for, for that gig. Um, and so, you know, Sammy joined, and we, we kept going, and uh, eventually, you know, we did we, – wrote songs and I believe and I believe letters. Sammy came to a show in Ireland that we were doing you might with the dolls and you must have been in the band at that time but you didn't make it out to that show that time it was an Alice show or somewhere where where I, I just met Sammy very very briefly but then somehow Sammy you know he obviously digs you you guys get along with each other and he brings you into the Michael Monroe family is that how you met Michael or yeah is that well different? Well, the, the Dolls played Finland uh, in 2008. It was my first time in Finland, and it was crazy because uh, the little girls were there sc screaming, you know, with pink hair and 
green hair and leopard and pink and like for the dolls, you know, these, <laughs> you know, myself included, older guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> and here are these 15 year old girls that was just because they were like legends, you know? So, yeah, yeah, there they are. There, there's all the kids. Oh my so, God. Um, yeah, there it is. And you know what? Before we, before the podcast, I was talking, that's a little Steve Stevens vibe from the profile. Come on, man. A little less hairspray. If Steve, Steve, if it, you, know, you put a can knows. of hairspray, you put an extra can of hairspray on that haircut right there, and you got Steve Stevens. That's, well, Italian nose, Jewish nose, you know. They say our, our mothers are similar. Well, don't know? worry. I've got a Polish nose. It's just the same thing, you know. It's a nose. It but, is uh, so, so, well, yeah, so it, New York it, Dolls it, play it, Finland, and then yeah, we play Finland, and uh, Michael comes, and you know, of course, Sammy says, "Hey, uh, you know." Can we have uh, my buddy you know, Michael come up from Anti Rocks and play sax on Human Being, which you know has a sax solo on the record? Perfect. So we play Michael's hometown of Turku. Michael comes up, we do that, and uh, you know he's very quiet and you know he was respectful of it was Dave, you know the Dolls, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, after the gig, he comes on the bus. We meet, no, no big deal, you know, just hello, and he's real quiet. And then, meanwhile, uh, inside his head, he's going like yeah, this. Meanwhile, he's <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I, I have found a guitar player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he and Sammy had been uh, talking, I guess, for a while about putting something back together with, with him. And uh, so they called me. Uh, I guess they, they went through a couple of lineups. I think they had Fortis in there for a while. They had uh, Todd Youth. They had... And Ginger, they had Jimmy Clark on drums at first. Yeah, well, I, rem- I, re- I remember that they had also had Dragon is was involved, and you got to play with him as well. And you yeah. got to, and, and did so. Yeah, the, the, the first lineup was Ginger, me, uh, Sammy, and Carl. Me and Sammy and Carl have been the constants in the band. Me, Sammy, yeah. Carl, and Michael It's just the the stage right guitar chair has revolved a few times. All right. So first it was Ginger from the Wild Hearts. Then it was Dragon. Now it's been Rich Jones for the longest. That's your boy, Rich um, Jones. Now Vic put up that photo of Rich Jones. I love it because you can give Rich some love right I'm, there. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a better one. No, no, no they were the one of you guys in the car. There was oh, another that's one. That's a terrible one. That's a terrible. I know. One. What are you doing one. that picture for, Vic? What's the hell? <laughs> we're not piling on Vic. For, we're doing it out of love. It's tough love, but it is love. Oh. Well, now, well, there you go. There's the photo of you and Rich. Oh, I'm, I'm drinking a punk IPA. Uh, Focus on that, not my face, folks. I, th- I think I, I might be like drinking some punk like IPAs a- after this. It's Friday. We got Friday uh, in the trenches. But check it out. Who's Rock Fist? That's Carl. Okay, why do you call him That's Rock Fist? Lead. Come on, man. What's the name behind Rock Fist? Does it have anything it's to do with Bronx cheer? Cleveland Steamer? It's Rosequist. Rockfist. Okay. Rosequist, you know, Quist. Uh, you know, you're a Swede, honorary Swede, right? I am, but so, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know why you called him Rock Fist, though. In, in well, I guess, you know, I guess a long time ago he didn't want to be Rosequist, so he, someone called him Rock Fist and it stuck. Yeah. It's Rock Fist. He's even got, uh, he's even got drumsticks named after him. Fist Sticks. <laughs> Carl Rockfist Fist Sticks. Okay, folks. Again, fast. one of those things you probably don't want to Google. Don't Google Rockfist, or you will probably get something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. So hold on. Yeah. So 
We're going to talk about two more things, and then we're going to close it out. Because I, 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 because at one point, when we get on the road again, and we are, I am going out on the road with Alice now, and I'm getting excited about it and packing up and stuff, and I'm sure you're going to get out on the road with your solo stuff and with Michael, we're going to have to do this again and catch up and just see how the road is treating both of us. But I want to talk about, obviously, uh, the last record you had did uh, and recorded with Michael. And uh, th- this oh, yeah. lineup, which is which is Michael Monroe, Sam Yaffa, Rich Jones, uh, you of course, and Rockfist. Um, that is the one man gang album, and you had a lot to do with that record, right? As far as um, especially yeah, the lead, um, especially the lead single, right? Uh, Wasn't Lori, there? Maybe you're maybe you're thinking of uh, uh, Horns and Halos was kind of Ginger left the uh, the band. Okay. We we done Century Overdrive. Then Ginger left the band, and uh, Dragon joined. And I wrote most of the songs on that album with riffs from Sammy and and Dragon. Um, and that was my uh, Ballad of the Lower East Side. That's from that was the lead single. I was talking um, about the song that you had writ you had written for your own band earlier. Had released as your own band. Oh, you mean then, Don't Plan It. And then it gets released as a Michael song. That's that's because oh, okay. I I think that's kind of cool when the the lead singer of a band comes in and says, you know what, I like the song so much that you recorded. I'm going to record it again, and we're going to make it this version. How did that yeah, happen? Yeah, well, that was a good thing. That it wasn't the I think it was the second single. The okay. first single was uh, Last Train to Tokyo. Got it. That's why you threw me off there, brother. Sorry, man. Uh, but uh, I don't. Ha- I don't have your career dialed up like as well what? as Vic does with pictures. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that was. Uh, you know, we, me and Rich had written a bunch of songs. Uh, we did uh, "Last Train to Tokyo" and "Hollywood Paranoia" and "Midsummer Nights" um, for that album, and then um, I was like, you know, this it really needs you know, uh, something uh, in that vibe, but also, you know, I was just feeling like that song is even more meaningful right now than it was back in 2009 when it was on my Steve Conti and the Crazy Truth album. Exactly. Because, you know, we're still fucking up the planet, you know, it's it's called Junk Planet. Uh, it's about, you know, corporations and uh, politicians and, you know, just how this place is going to hell and and we're uh, all the same fuckery you know, the, yeah all the, oh yeah the same greed and 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 you know of course I, I could hear michael's voice singing it in my head i was like i think michael would really you know kill this song so i brought it and i said what do you think about this one and some of the guys were like nah we don't want to remake you know a song and i was like well you know i don't care let's do it or not and mike but michael heard him was like yes i want to sing it. that so so we did it and uh yeah it, it turned into the the second video, which was like a uh, lyric video with a bunch of graphics on it. But uh, but it was cool. I, I was really I happy it. that he recorded it. And it. You know, well, it was a, a lot more of an expensive recording, so it sounds <laughs> really big and huge, a lot bigger than my original recording. Your but, version you know, of it. I, I do like my original recording too. Well, of course, man, you got to. They're your babies, man. But here's the yeah. thing, dude. We've had a very good talk. We've had a very good interview. But we will be shamed on this next comment because we were talking about New York bands and we were going, bah, 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 and you, you're kind of shaking your head. Well, I don't know. Bah, bah, bah. Well, yeah. Shame <laughs> on us. Shame on us for that yeah. not being the first. Yeah, but band. they're all dead. 
Uh, well, they weren't all dead at that time. They but... weren't all dead at that time. No, no, they yeah. made a lot. Of no, movies. but I was never, I was never going to step into Johnny Ramone's. Uh, were were you not? You know, because that's that's the one band that Alice, for whatever reason, Alice is 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 never a huge Ramones fan. Really? No, I do. I love the Ramones. I I love them, dude. I mean, I mean come on. I always I, did. I, I mean, Rocket so to Russia. Songs. Rocket to Russia. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's my album. You know. I think almost every rock band owes the Ramones some sort of royalty if they've ever done a photo shoot against a brick wall. <laughs> that's every... Which that's is every, every rock band. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I've never we seen this, it. <laughs> we have this, uh, we have this like inside joke, you know, like uh, whenever a photographer, you know, uh, we get a new photographer, we're like, okay, I know we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna do something really unique, right? We're gonna take photos against a chain link fence or a brick wall, right? Brick wall, yeah. You know? So it's either folks you have to pay royalties to the Ramones or Twisted Sister. It's one or the other. That's it. But I, I, I was not a, I was not a Twisted fan. But Twisted uh, Sister, another New York band. Holy well, Long Island, Long Island. Well, Different. Long Island, New York. Long yeah, Island, yeah. New York. I know that's, you're a Burroughs guy. Good. You're a Burroughs guy. In fact, you're so much a Burroughs guy, you named the new album. God damn, I'm a good segue. I'm a good segue, right? You named the new album Bronx Cheer. Let's hear about it. And uh, when is this album actually out to the public? Because I know that you have a couple singles out. I mean, uh, Stevens, Little Stevens Underground Garage gives you massive love. I think it, they made you cool song of the year or cool song of the fucking week and month. Yeah, coolest song. Yeah, coolest song in the world. Um, yeah, I've had. Uh, oh my God. Damn anthrax. Like third, We're getting screwed by these people. This is like my third or fourth record that stevens played which uh That's amazing you know i i grew up with his cousins in in matawan you know and as i've been hearing about him oh little steven's my cousin or like plays with springsteen i wasn't a, a springsteen fan back when i was in high school because i was into like you know kiss and and t-rex and you know everything aerosmith everything had to have big hair and everything you know, that wasn't rock, everything you know I mean? that wasn't more folky you you more loud and aggressive. Yeah, and you know, I was, I was a kid, you know, like yeah. the band, you know, like Bob Dylan and the band, you know, those guys, Levon Helm and them, Springsteen, Dylan. I mean, I loved Dylan from when I was a kid, but anybody that looked like an old, older dude or that had like short hair or I, I as a 16 year old, I wasn't into it. You know, I just it had to be loud and be in, in my face. So, um, I get it. But, uh, so Springsteen didn't, you know, of course, now and you know, for the past whatever twenty, thirty, forty years, whatever, I've I've been into him because he's an amazing songwriter. But uh, so I always hoped to cross paths with Stephen. I met him with the Dolls, um, and he, he was supposed to produce one of our records. It didn't happen. But we played some shows with him. We did the Underground Garage tour in an Underground Garage bus. You know, we played his festival out at Randall's Island with Bo Diddley and Nancy Sinatra and the Strokes and Iggy and the Stooges. And it was, That's cool. so we had like a little relationship and uh, he happened to hear one of my records and he was like, Oh my God, what is that? And his wife was playing it in the house, you know? And he was like, that's Steve Conti. Oh my God. So he started playing my records and uh, this is like my fourth or fifth record, like, you know, separate album that he's been playing songs off of. But this one is actually on his label. Um, I finished it on my own. I recorded it in New York. 
I have Charlie Drayton on drums from uh, Keith Richards, Expensive Winos, Replacements, Vinyls. That's a, Killer that's drummer, a good pedigree. You know, good pedigree. The groove, the groove master, you know. Right. My brother on bass, and I have Chris Betting on guitar on one song, guesting with me. Keeping it uh, in the family, though. That's good. You got the family still rocking yeah. it. Brother John, yep. And uh, Willie Nile, I don't know if you know him. He's guesting on a song, James Maddock. Uh, lots of great uh, girl, gospel girl singers. And my kids, both of my boys are have their voices on the record, too. There's Willie. Nice. Now, um, is this something where you're, perhaps you see some sort of influence of, like, replacements, maybe have a little bit of a vibe, or maybe Stonesy, a little, like, you know, uh, I mean, eighty Stonesy? Yes. Uh, I like to think that this record is, like, Stones between 78 and 81, like, some girls through Tattoo You. Okay. It's like when the Stones were sort of reacting to punk a little bit, but they still had their R&B and blues thing. Yeah. So it's like rock and soul with New York attitude is I love it. how I would describe a Bronx cheer record. Is, is, got, side uh, one, is, is side one all in the key of A, like some girls? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a, there's a couple of A's. Uh, Dog Days of Summer is an A. All right. uh, there's a bunch of E's. There's a bunch of songs in the key of E. Uh, rock and roll but, keys. Uh, it, 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 when you hear the record from start to finish, you hear it starts out very rough in New York, and then it kind of goes into almost like, you know, Jersey Shore, power pop, and then gospel, and then, you know, back. There's even a tune that actually someone told me uh, – it reminds me of the early Alice Cooper band. So it's cool. Well, so so it's got a ride. It takes you on a ride the whole yeah, entire. Yeah, it's album. a ride. But you know, it's all me. It's all. My, I have a one a co-writer on one song. It's really nice ballad, beautiful ballad. I'm going to be doing a video for, called "Flying." Okay. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's a. It's what a what, ride, are, what are the late? What's the latest single that you have out on it right now? And when is the release date? The latest single is "Dog Days of Summer," which came out in the "Dog Days of Summer." Finally, um, because my last single, my last summary single for that label for Wicked Cool, Gimme Gimme Rockaway, came out in November. I remember. <laughs> Just if you in look time. At the video, you, if you look at the video, you see me on the beach. My nose is red from the cold. I'm like on the beach <laughs> by myself, you know, pretty much. There's no one there except the jogger. Um, so, yeah, Dog Days of Summer is out now. Recovery Doll was the first single with that virtual reality video. Which you were checking that check out earlier home. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, there's something in the chat. Fan of the week. Oh, Vic, you're the fan of the week? Oh, wow. <laughs> hold okay. on. Hold on. That's that's supposed to be a private chat between me and Vic. Wait a second now. Oh, okay. Uh, why am I seeing it? I don't know. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I have those two singles out right now. And then there's going to be a third single coming out. Uh, I think next week, um, right. September 6th, I believe. Okay. And then uh, there's there's going to be five singles. I love so it. Just Rockaway. keep releasing. Just keep on releasing yeah. them. Yeah. We, um, Actually, Rockaway is on this album. That was a standalone single. It was only available on 7-inch uh, on, uh, vinyl okay. and download. But now it's going to be on this LP. I'm doing 12-inch um, vinyl and CDs. Perfect. So Rockaway will be on that. Um, I have three more singles coming out and two more videos coming out and the record will 
drop officially in November 5th. There you go. That's for a, yes. I no, was yes, trying to pull to that answer out yes. from you. Sorry. It's like, yes, it was. <laughs> there you have it, folks. We, we grasped. November 5th. We got the date, folks. Steve Conti's album, Bronx Cheer, comes out November 5th. And not to take away from this man's album, Bronx Cheer, we have a little thing we like to do called Fan of the Week, which Steve wasn't oh. supposed to see because oh. every single week we have somebody from the RGA, which is the Roxy Guitar Army, which if you were following along the whole show, which we're happy that you have, these are everybody that wants to learn how to play guitar, welcome. Come on in. Come on in to the RGA. But even if you don't play guitar, every week we choose someone that uh, shows some sort of Roxy pride, promotes the show, promotes the podcast, and promotes our guest right over there, which has been Steve Conte. There you go. And our fan of the week this week is Vic. It's Kina. No, it's not. Kina, you've been two weeks, but now guess what? Amanda Brown, you are our fan of the week. Congratulations. There you go. She had a nice cup of coffee this morning getting ready for the Steve Conte interview today on Fridays uh, in the trenches. Congratulations, Amanda Brown. You will be our next fan of the week. If you'd like to be, stay tuned uh, for more stuff on my social media because uh, every single week we're going to do a new fan of the week. And especially next week, because we have a, another guest that we'd like to introduce. Uh, who is our guest, Vic? Who is it? It's mystery. It's a mystery. We will... Mystery. mystery. Well, we, we will uh, announce our guest on Monday. That's what we did with you, Steve. And I thought the anticipation, we built it up, we built it up, we built it up. And uh, so Amanda Brown, fan of the week, and our next week's guest will be announced on Monday. But you know what? We're here with Steve Conte and his new album, um, Bronx Cheer. So there's a couple things just left. If you got time, I know you got kids in the background. I know you. Know, right. They're uh, on devices right now. I gave them an hour and a half. I got it. I you got know, it. Usually it's an hour. All right. <laughs> That's good. Well, we've enjoyed all the stories. I've got one. Okay. One more question for you. The one that got away. Vic? You know about the one that got away? Have you heard about the one that got away? Steve, no. do you know about the one that no. got away? I'm trying to just buy time so Vic can pull it up. Is that a fake hand? No, that's the actual, that's the bass player of Fallout Boy, and we'd like to thank him for being part of our animation, the bass player of, of uh, Fallout Boy. But the, the one that got away, <laughs> it's not a fake hand. <laughs> it's a rock fist is what it is, Steve. Um, <laughs> the thing is, the one that got away is about a piece of gear, a guitar, uh, an effect, something that you had to sell because you needed the money, got stolen because some asshole, some prick took it from the club or whatever, or maybe it was K.K. Downing that just nicked it, or and then it was, uh, you had to get rid of it, but you wanted it back. What is it? You're the one that got away. Do you have anything? Because I see guitars in the background. Oh, yeah, that's my Zomitis. That's a beautiful and guitar. And behind that is my, or my two Hagstroms. 
Hagstrom says those are Swedish guitars. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And, um, and wait, wait, wait and, and behind that, uh, I think a Steve Conti T-shirt that's available at steveconti.com, isn't it? <laughs> there it is, right there. <laughs> Look at that. See, it's got rats. It's got what if someone wanted to buy that shirt? Guitars. What if someone wanted to buy that exact shirt that you've been smelling all episode long? <laughs> Could they buy that exact one? Um, yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> some some women sell their soiled underwear, you know, but I just sell my soiled T-shirt. It'll be Steve Sorry, Conti's oh. Musk, if you will, and you can you can actually find all those things in his social media and all these types of links right there. As you can see, take a screenshot of that right now while we hear. Steve's story of the one that got oh, away. Have the you one thought that got about away. it? Yeah. Okay. So the one that got away is a 1972 gold top deluxe. Oh uh, my God, I might have it. Wait, wait, hold on. Was it a deluxe? Which one had the mini humbuckers? That was the deluxe, but 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 my deluxe got was routed because I, I when I received it, it, it has humbuckers in it. So I have a I have a 72. Gold top deluxe. I call it my first girlfriend. I call it Goldie. Still have it? I still have it. Yeah, I do. It's at it's at my buddy John's house. But wait a second. What happened to yours? Because I hope it's not the same one that I own. <laughs> Dude, I uh, it breaks my heart to even tell this story. Please tell okay. Me. I was the stupidest, it was the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. There was a store in Red Bank, New Jersey called the Guitar Trader. Notorious ripoffs. I don't care if they see this because fuck you guitar trader um there's our sound they bite. saw me coming from a mile away they were like oh here comes this kid <laughs> i came in there with my gold top and i was like you know i guess it was the mini humbuckers it just wasn't giving me enough you know power sort of like oh we got and we got a guitar for you check this out it was an ibanez destroyer <laughs> So exactly. it was like, it was like, it was like the Gibson Explorer. It was the Ibanez copy of Gibson Explorer. I did the same thing, Steve. But but but, and, but mine was a Stratocaster, the one that I sort of did, the one that got away from me. It was a Strat. It was a '70s Strat. So there you go. So what happened? Straight trade. Straight, straight trade. trade. A Gibson good deal for you. For an Ibanez. <laughs> Wait, now did you get the ice blue or did you get the candy apple red? No, it was Karina. Oh, so you? Oh, dude, that's not a bad deal because those Karina Ibanezes were the those were the uh, models that made Gibson get back into making really good quality guitars. Because at that time, if you remember, Gibson was that was during the Norlin era, perhaps maybe a little after, but Gibson wasn't making stuff up to snuff. So, so I think the Ibanez V's and the Ibanez destroyers whatever they called them they were like actually really not, they were pretty good I, you might have gotten a deal on it in retrospect is that when the gibson was making like the marauder and the ripper and the yeah, grabber yeah, like the yeah, kiss yeah, era yeah, 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 late exactly. 70s early 80s yeah 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 because yeah. yeah, uh do you still now wait yeah. do you still have that ibanez no i got rid of the ibanez it was a heartbreak i just yeah i got rid of that and then i got another gold top the same not the same guitar but Mini humbuckers, uh, gold top. I, I bought one later. And again, I guess I realized I don't like mini humbuckers because I got rid of that one too. 
So I don't have any less balls. I don't have any gold tops with many humbuckers. I have my black, uh, black beauty uh, fretless wonder, which have, has frets in it, of course. Um, it's a seventy. Got it. Beautiful. Um, oh. Signed by Les Paul, actually. Damn. When I play, I played with Les Paul once in, at the Iridium in New York, and he signed at that guitar. little club that he used to play at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I went there. I, I jammed with him and his band, and and it was amazing. Well, what, didn't but, he just uh, do it with him and his guitar player for a long time? What was the club that he used to do with just Fat him? Tuesdays? Yes, yes, he used to do Fat Tuesdays. Yeah, him and Lou Paulo. Lou Paulo was what? What a what a chord player man what just a guy yeah, knew he, every inversion of every chord man i used yeah, to go watch he just, him he just died recently oh man sorry Poor guy. sorry to hear that yeah Shit. all right but uh yeah that i i use uh i have that black les paul and and uh the newer the white one that you've seen in some of these photos here that's a uh supreme thicker chambered body okay. 2005 yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah. So you miss if that you want to go down the guitar, if you want to go down the guitar road, we'll be here all day. No, in fact, we'll all, save all we'll save the guitar road next time for when we do the road catch up, and uh, we can talk about our guitars because I'm actually going to be taking out a couple new guitars on this new Alice Cooper tour, um, and hopefully at one point, whether it's whether it's with Michael Monroe or whether it's with your own solo stuff. Um, you know, your band and Alice Cooper band or my solo band, somehow we got to connect again because we had a really good time. Well, maybe not as good as that. That's a very nice moment with you and Alice right there. How much did that meet and greet ticket cost? <laughs> no, me and Michael went back. I love it. No, um, but the thing but is, I, me and you I, had a great time. And remember, we, we, we had a great time hanging out in Nashville. I, you know, remember when we were, oh, yeah. we had a great night together yeah. in Nashville. We went out to a couple bars after we, we played the show. and we, That's right. When, when the, when the original band guys came and, and you did the thing with, uh, they did the thing with Ezrin at the, the little club. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. It was like more of a sort of a conference thing. And that was like actually the second time I had been uh, playing with those guys. And that eventually led into that UK tour that we did with the original guys. But yeah, that was a fun yeah. night, man. I remember that. So, so hey, we got to do it again at one point. But at that oh, point, Bronx cheer has to be out, and you got to be uh, all over uh, Little Steven's garage. And uh, you know, I know we've had a little bit of echo issues, folks. I, 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 you've been very, very patient with us all day. We've heard a lot of amazing stories. You're gonna have to go back and take a write jot down a lot of these names that uh, Steve has been sort of putting out and there it is this show this podcast complete podcast sponsored by Jovan Roxy's Roxy's Road Musk Roxy's Road Musk is it's all happening baby because I'm packing up I'm cutting out to tour um Hopefully we'll be on the East Coast uh, real soon, and uh, I'll get in touch with you when we're we're in the area. I'm not sure if we're going to be that close. I'm not sure if you're going out these days, but uh, if we can, at one point we'll hook up and talk again. Um, again, last thing, if you'd like to give some sort of parting words to our um, to our listeners and to people that follow the podcast. Um, Steve Conti, there's all his uh, social media contacts right there. But do you have any words of inspiration that uh, maybe has been passed on to you that you'd like to pass on to everybody else that uh, just sort of helps them with their lives and helps you with yours? Yes. Let me 
grab this. Someone wanted to see this guitar, so I'm going to grab this guitar and I'm going to think for the two seconds that I walk across the room. About All right, that. no problem. All right. So, the, what guitar is that that they want? The Zemitis. Okay. Do you, now that's another thing. Do you say Zemitis or Zemitis? Is it tomato, okay. tomato, 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 Zemitis, Zemitis? What is it? Is it Zemitis or Zemitis? Zemitis. Okay. Say it's it's wood. Yeah, yeah. But it's got this beautiful faceplate. If you ever wanted to be in a uh, Ron Wood cover band, you could be the dead ringer right now with, with your hair cut and of course, of course. And the nose well, and know. the Zemitis, yeah. And the Zemitis. Well, when it. I saw James Honeyman Scott playing one recently, I was like, why don't I have a Zemitis? You know, I love Honeyman Scott from the Pretenders, yeah. one of my favorite guitar players. And uh, that's when um, I, I, I called him up. Um, I said, man, um, the reason we're here is man and woman. Oh, yeah. Message of love. Ooh. Is that what it is? Oh, what, yeah. That, that, oh, yeah. That tone on that song is just, yeah. It was, in, it was yeah. incredible. The yeah. first, the whole first album, Tattooed Love Boys, is my, my fave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit. Anyway. You, Chrissy uh, Hine, did you ever do any shows with her? Uh, I would love to, but I, I haven't. I've been, you know. Wanting to still on the, the bucket list, my whole life. <laughs> still on the bucket list. I got you. But uh, yeah. I, I was I was going to ask uh, about words of wisdom that's been passed on to you, or that maybe okay. you live by. Anything? Um, you know, I just saw a great quote today that Put that reminded me that reminded me of what I like to think my philosophy is. Okay, and it's by this guy. A jazz bass player, Charlie Hayden. Okay. He says, if you strive to become a good human being with the qualities of generosity, humility, and having reverence for life, just maybe you'll become a great musician. Wow. I like that because, you know, there's so many dickheads in this business, you know, people who use you and rip you off and, you know, kick you to the curb when they, when they're done with you. You know, I, I, gravitate away from those people and uh, I'd like to think that I'm not one I, I, I have never behaved like that to my knowledge anyway um, maybe people who do that don't think they're doing it either but uh, I've certainly known a lot of them so uh, you're one of the good guys you know, man you're one of the good my, ones yeah my key is you know be a good person you know do the right thing um, you know and and know your shit yeah you know, work hard, have a good work ethic. You know, I, I worked hard when I was younger. So, like, I can relax a little bit now. Because, like, you know, I don't sit down and practice, like, eight hours a day like I used to as a kid, you know. I don't yeah. have that kind of time anymore. But, you know, you put in the time when you're... You've put in the work, when you, dude. When you, you don't have the responsibilities, you know, when you're, when you're younger and you're coming up. Because, you know, once you have kids or you get married or you start going on the road, you know, the last thing you want to do sometimes is pick up a guitar after you've been you know, on stage and on a bus and in a hotel room, you know. I got you. So, so, you know. But you know what, to be honest with you. I all the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess you can quote Spinal Tap all day because that is sort of the Bible of rock and roll. But 
You seriously are one of the good ones. We're happy that we've had you on to tell uh, a lot of the stories of your rock and roll history. And, of course, talk about your current rock and roll history that you're making with the album Bronx Cheer that may be out by the time you're listening to this podcast or will be coming out November 5th. Um, We've been chatting with and talking with and having good conversation with guitarist, producer, singer-songwriter Steve Conti. And sort of, you know, words of wisdom, that was an amazing quote. Um, one of the most amazing tips that I got this last week to pass on to everybody else um, in the audience and maybe perhaps you, Steve, I'm not sure if you ever got this, but um, you take two or three sheets of toilet paper bef- and lay it in the toilet before you go number two and you'll never leave a skid mark. It's a fucking fact. And I thank my wife for giving me that advice. I never, ever knew that until this week. And now she, she's going to probably kill me for, for just spilling the beans. But literally, if you've, eaten a, if you've eaten a lot of beans, put two or three sheets of toilet paper down in the toilet before. <laughs> Do you now, mean it, it doesn't leave a ring in the toilet? No, or are you talking no. about in your underwear? <laughs> No skid marks. Skid mark free. And it is a charming end to the show, Kathy Grant, because I can't believe that we, I had to tell that story because it's like that. It's sort of information that like you, it's a no brainer when you think about it in retrospect, but you've never tried it. And I tried it. It works. Perfect. There you go. But that'll be our whole next week's wow. episode with our mystery guests. And of course, Amanda Brown which is the perfect name, Amanda Brown. You are a fan of the week, all week now, with that amazing information. There you go. Vic Chalfant has been our producer. We've been riding him all Friday, but you know what? He's done a great job. And everybody else in the RGA, uh, you've been spectacular in the chat. And anytime you want to tell 10 more friends and get this thing rolling and rolling and up and up, and uh, we appreciate it. But Steve, We'll see you out there on the road somewhere. Steve Conti, guitarist. Thanks, Ryan. Have a great one. Thanks so, so much for being on. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the ride, folks. Bye. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.